once again back once again back once again back once again back once again with a Wisdom is good for all areas of our lives, and that is what we try to cover in the Wisdom in All Things podcast. We look at wisdom as it applies to our minds, bodies, and souls. For more resources on this, stop by wisdominallthings.com. On today's episode, I doubt it. Let's first consider the depth of doubt. Laura Ferguson Wilbert said, In Purgatorio, from Dante's Divine Comedy, it is said the root of every sin is a disordered love. We are the most disordered, ill-prioritized generation yet. It should be no surprise that we laud doubt, loathe decision, and critique certainty. So how do we get help with our unbelief? While this may be more true of Laura's generation than previous generations, or even of young adults generally, she reveals a a potent, layered combination of doubt. In fact, it reads more like an all-out resentment and rejection of anything with the audacity to be called certain. It would be hard not to conclude that remaining in a state of praising doubt, intensely hating decisiveness, and criticizing certainty could be the basis for perpetual, if not irreversible, doubt. Regardless of its depth, persistent doubt is certainly devastating, as even infrequent, ill-timed bouts can needlessly delay, derail, and even slowly destroy us. We have our own experiences to tell us that. But there are three people from the New Testament that affirm even those that should have the most confidence can still doubt, but that there is also a right response to it. In the case of John the Baptist, having spent his whole life proclaiming the coming of the Messiah and seeing the doves descending from heaven and hearing the voice of God when Jesus was baptized, his doubt would later lead him to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? In Matthew 11, 3. While he was often referred to as Doubting Thomas, it would seem that Thomas was more of a skeptic than a a doubter. But he didn't believe until he was given. Jesus was quick to dispel any notion that his resurrection should be in question. Though Jesus' life had given Thomas sufficient reason to believe, he still needed to see and touch Jesus for himself. Alyssa Childers describes doubt. She says, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Lastly now, I want to highlight the story of the father whose son was demon-possessed. He knew enough to go to Jesus as the only hope of healing his son, but when told to believe, acknowledge that he would need help with my unbelief. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. These three accounts should help us see that we should not be surprised by doubt, nor feel guilty. People who knew more, saw more, and had more evidence to trust than we will ever have, doubted even after having sufficient reason not to. The contrast between these three instances, and particularly the last, and how Lord described her generation should be evident. They almost represent the opposite ends of the spectrum when faced with doubt. The idea that we should ask for help with our unbelief is just one crucial element in properly addressing doubt. So let's look at gaining the ground on doubt. Sometimes it doesn't take much to discover the doubt we didn't know we had. Other times it may require that our world come crashing down. Indecision can seep in undetected and go unnoticed until we go to trust and realize that there isn't anything there, or at best seems a little too soft to stand on. Whether we're calling into question the truth or just uncertain, here are several considerations to keep us free from the devastating state of persistent doubt. First, confront it head on. Starting with a potent, layered combination of confusion brought up by Laura previously, take a moment to assess how you're currently responding to uncertainty. Is it going unchecked? Are you too accepting of it? Are you dwelling too much or too long with indecision? Have you concluded that there are no solid answers to your questions or concerns? 
If you're answering yes to most of these questions, then it may be very well a case of persistent indecision, which will need to be more formally confronted. If you choose not to, you run the risk of perpetuating this potentially devastating state of mind. So confront it head on. Ask the hard questions. Make sure you get the answers. Secondly, mind those feelings. When we doubt our better moments, are we really saying that now we know the truth, but before we didn't? That is the very nature of feelings. If so, it might even be that you're giving how you feel too much latitude. Maintain a better grip on the facts and hold loosely your feelings. Next, doubt is not the absence of belief. Tim Keller references the essay, The Critique of Doubt by Michael Polanyi, where he argues that indecision and belief are ultimately equivalent. Essentially, our doubting one thing is simply denying one belief in favor of another. It isn't the absence of belief. Tim Keller says, you can't doubt belief A, except on the basis of some belief B you're believing instead at the moment. Even with uncertainty, there is still some belief. The conflict comes when we've exchanged what is, more or less, incontrovertible for what is more easily accepted or denied. The issue isn't getting more faith, but adding more facts to your current level of belief. Four, doubt your doubts. Tim Keller says to doubt your doubts. So when faced with an I doubt it, doubt it. When we do, we find that we don't have sufficient reason to be skeptical. Exploring why you're indecisive to see if it is warranted may reveal that you do have a basis for the belief you had held more strongly. Next, humble but certain. Matthew Lee Anderson says, Certainty is a charlatan, doubt a deceiver. The steadfast confidence of faith kneels between, neither triumphant nor defeated, but possessed by a sober goodness, a joyful sour too powerful for the words that might bear it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Humility isn't indecision. There's a difference between arrogance and standing firm. Humility isn't saying that you can't be sure. We can be sure, but we're not to be too prideful. Matthew's quote begs two key questions. Whose kingdom come? Whose will be done? Six, lean toward God. Alyssa Childers highlights a concept from Bobby Conway from his book, Doubting Toward Faith. Doubt is directional. We can doubt toward God or we can doubt away from him. If you're struggling with doubt, I encourage you to doubt toward God. As we confront uncertainty, check our feelings and challenge our basis for doubting. The humble turn we should take should be toward God with the three New Testament examples I mentioned. Each of those accounts provides three requests we are to make of God as it relates to our skepticism. Ask for help with our unbelief. Ask for reassurance. Ask for evidence. And lastly, get ready to go deep. Indecision may signal that it is time to wrestle. If only growing was easy, then, well, everybody would be mature. What you're sensing may not be so much an issue with what you're believing or not believing, but instead maybe indicating that you can't stay where you are right now. Michael Patton says, Realize that doubts are often the birth pangs of deepened faith. We receive faith from our parents in a mediated way. For the most part, it is untested. Trials, temptations, and the suffering of life tests our faith. We shouldn't be surprised by indecision or feel guilty. And probably the worst thing we can do when we find ourselves in doubt is coast, as if the answers will find us. And if they don't, we become justified in our doubting. Fight apathy when you're uncertain. Don't let it keep you from pursuing and adding to the facts. And remember, when it comes to wisdom, nothing we desire compares with her. Proverbs 8.11 
Thanks for listening to the Wisdom in All Things podcast. If you want more, you can always swing by wisdomandallthings.com.